hard to believe that we are just right around the corner from Christmas. And uh, just a little update on the building next door. It's just been really, really amazing at how quickly they are, they are getting the building done. They are probably going to end up finishing the building at the end of December. Now, we won't move in then because we've ordered some stuff that's not here yet because they're just sort of ahead of schedule. But uh, it just it looks great over there. And so if you have the opportunity, you might want to sneak over and, and peek into some of the windows that we have there. You can get a sense of, of what kind of building it is. And so we're just very excited about it. So I wanted to share that with you. The other side is that I, I'm, I'm stunned once again that Christmas is so close. Uh, just absolutely amazing. Now, there's a lot of different reasons why people look forward to Christmas. I mean, I look forward to Christmas, or uh, I'm sure some of you do as well, because it's the opportunity to be with family. Uh, we love Christmas because of the food that comes with it. And then uh, one of my favorite things about Christmas, just to share with you a little bit of the selfish side of me, is I'm always excited to see what I'm going to get for Christmas. I mean, right? I mean, are you all excited about that? Uh, Okay, you're all liars, because we all are excited about that. So Christmas is a fun time of year. It's exciting to see what's going to happen. But uh, I read a story about this man who was, had gone on a business trip, and he was coming back home, and he wanted to get you know, his wife a little something extra when he got back to the house. So he went to the store, uh, went to a mall, and came to the, uh, I guess, like the ladies' area where they sell perfume. I don't know what you call that. And so he walked up there and said, hey, listen, I want, I want to see what kind of perfume you might have. I'd kind of like to get my wife something. And she said, sure, I'll, I'll bring you out a bottle I think you'll enjoy. And so she went back, brought out a bottle of perfume. It was like $75, and she handed it to him, and he looked at it, and he smelled it. It's like, oh, that smells really good, but you know, he has something a little bit smaller. Seems kind of like a lot. And so she said, well, sure, and she went back and got another bottle, a little bit smaller, $50. And uh, so he looked at it, and he said, you know, I, I just sort of, you know, thinking about it. I mean, traveling, probably a smaller bottle would be better. And uh, the ladies get a little bit irritated at this guy because she knew, you know, where this guy's coming from. So she got irritated, went back, and she brought him back the uh, smallest, cheapest bottle of perfume that she had, 15 bucks. And uh, so he got it, he looks at it, and he's like, you know, I, I just need to be honest with you. I'm looking for something a little cheaper. And so the lady grabbed a mirror and she said, look here. Now, uh, you know, there's a lot of people are a little bit stingy, you know, a little bit stingy in their giving. And my guess is that some of you know some people, you know, in this room right now who sort of fall into that category of being a little bit stingy. Well, one of the neat things about Christmas, and we are continuing our series on Christmas for the next several weeks is that our God is not a stingy God when it comes to his giving to his people. And what we're going to be looking at today is we're going to see, it's not a part of the, the Christmas narrative that we're looking at today, but we're going to see that when God allowed his son Jesus to enter into this world, that Jesus came here bearing gifts. And he came here bearing gifts that have the potential, the ability, the power to change our lives, to transform who we are as people. And so we're going to look today in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. So if you'd like to look there, you can take your Bible out. Uh, it's a little bit further to the right near the back of the Bible. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. As you're looking there, uh, I want to give you just a little background about Paul, the guy who wrote this book. He was writing it to his protege, Timothy. And Paul was a guy, when he first started out, very religious man. Uh, he was a part of the Jewish faith. 
he was seen as an up-and-comer in his faith. He was very well-educated, very smart man, but he did not like Christians. He saw Christianity as a threat to his faith, and so he decided he was going to do whatever he could in order to eliminate it. And we can see a really a picture of, of Paul's mode of operation in Acts 9, 1 and 2. And in this scripture, his name, before he's called Paul, they called him Saul. And here's what it says about him. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, and the way was just another, it's another name for Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Okay, now when you look at that, this is Paul's typical, you know, the, his typical mode of operation. Paul is not a guy that you would say, oh, he's very Christian friendly. I mean, what's he trying to do? He's arresting, beating, and killing Christians to get rid of them. But on his trip to Damascus in Acts 9, some of you might remember the story, God came into contact with Paul. And let me tell you something, it changed his life. He became a different man. God was able to overcome who Paul was because of who God is. Now, as time went by, Paul, now a follower of Jesus, he's able to look back on how he'd lived his life. You know, and there's some stuff in my life that's not been too good in the past. I mean, there's some things in his life that he had done that, that he just, on his own, he was not able to overcome those things. But through the power of who God is, God was able to overcome his past and make him into a new man. And I really believe that people need to know that our God is a God who overcomes. And whenever Jesus came on that first Christmas, that he came here bearing gifts for us to let us know that regardless of what our past is, that he has the strength and the ability to keep us from being imprisoned by our past. And so today, today I just want us to see some of the gifts that God offers us and what he offered us on that very first Christmas that can change our lives, that can radically revolutionize who you are today. Now, what are some of the gifts that God offers to us on that very first Christmas so that we could overcome our past? First thing I want you to see here, one of the very first gifts that God offers to us is his strength. God's strength, God's power is made available to you and me. And we see this in verse 12 and 13 in Paul's own life. He said this, he said, I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, one who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. And since it was out of ignorance that I'd acted in unbelief, I received mercy. Paul just sort of goes through his past. He says, man, I was arrogant. I was a persecutor. I was a bad guy. And yet God offered me his strength. Now, can you think of some things? I know that you can, so don't say them out loud because we don't want this to be a testimonial of, of negative things. But can you think of things in your life that you've done where you look back and you say, I wish I would have never done that? Any of y'all identify with that? You just nod your heads, yes. 
Okay, there's and the rest of you liars. That's right. We all have done things in our past where we look back and say, Man, I wish I hadn't done that. I can tell you in my own life, there are things that I've done, decisions that I have made, and I think, I, I wish I could take that back. You know, I wish I would have never said that to that person. I wish I would have never done that. I wish I would have never made that decision. But here's the deal. It's water under the bridge. I, I live with the consequences, and you do too, of the decisions that you make. So I can't change them. I really can't. Now, I can try to hide from it. I can try to mask it. But it's still there. And that's what's so encouraging about our Scripture. I mean, I look at Paul. Paul's a guy who has stuff in his past. Where I'm, I guarantee you he was thinking, you know, I wish I would have never killed those people. Paul's past was not stellar. Paul's past was something that hindered his relationship with other people. Can you imagine what it was like for Paul right after he becomes a Christian? I mean, he's on the road to Damascus to kill people. He becomes a follower of God because God really physically intervenes with Paul and reveals himself to him. And then Paul's like, that guy's real. I'm going to follow him. And he starts telling other people. And he you know, wants to go out and hang out with Christians and eat with them. Do you think they wanted to eat with him? I mean, absolutely not. This is a guy who kills people. And yet, God changed Paul. How'd that happen? Because of the gift that he offered him. What did he offer him? It says he offered him his strength. Now, what what does God's strength have the power to do in our lives? And you can look all throughout Scripture, and you can see it. Some of you can look in your own life. God's strength has the ability to take your life and my life that is busted up, that is contrary to the leadership of God, And it could restore us. And it can give us hope. And it can move us beyond our past that can bind us down. Now you can say, man, but you don't know my past. I mean, some of you can say, you don't understand some of the things that I've done. You're right, I don't know a lot of the stuff that you've done. Others of you, I know. Okay? But let me share with you a really neat verse. Philippians 4.13 says... I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When Jesus came at first Christmas, he brought his strength. What does his strength enable us to do according to Philippians 4.13? It says it enables us to do all things. To have the strength and the power even to overcome past mistakes. Past sins. Now some of us say, well I I don't need help. So I was thinking, in my own power, I think I can take care of myself. You know, I've been successful. I'm pretty self-reliant in all those things. And and being self-reliant and and being successful and having good relationships with people, those things are all all fine and dandy. But let me tell you something. They're temporary. I don't have any lasting power in, in in the big picture. They don't have the kind of strength that we need. As a matter of fact, we're told in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die and then to face judgment. Now, that's a verse we ought to ponder on a little bit. You know, when we die, the Bible says that we're going to stand and be held accountable and be judged. Who is our judge going to be? Who's it going to be? It's going to be our God. 
God is going to stand and judge people. And when that happens, you need to make sure that you better, you better have some support. Now, if your support is going to be in how good of a person you are, how successful you are, that's going to crumble and fall away. It will not stand the judging power of God because those things are temporary. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 gives us the answer. It says, it tells us very simply, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, Paul, even though he was a guy whose past was filled with murder and anger and bitterness and arrogance, when he submitted himself to Jesus, Jesus' strength was powerful enough to overcome his past and to uphold, uh, to uphold him. Now, now, what is it that you are in your life relying on for strength? You know, what is it that you're saying, you know, this is what I'm putting all my cards here. You know, all my chips. This is what I'm trusting in for my life. What is it that you are relying on and counting on in your life to hold you up in this life? Because if it's anything other than Jesus, that's yeah, temporary. You know, whenever, whenever a skyscraper is undergoing construction, the first few months, what they do is they dig down. That's when they begin the process. They don't start building up. They begin digging down. And what they're doing is they are setting and preparing the foundation. Now, if you're going to build a doghouse, you don't need a foundation, right? I mean, you just you know put down a piece of cardboard, not cardboard, but like MDF board, and then just build right up. You don't dig a foundation for a doghouse. At least we don't. But if you want to build a skyscraper, you know something that's going to stand tall? If you're going to build a building that's going to be able to withstand the winds and the storms that will come, you better make sure that you have a solid foundation. And the same thing is true in our walk with God. Our upward potential is totally dependent upon the kind of foundation that we have in life. You know, so many people, their foundation in life is so shallow. It's an inch deep. And then when the storms and the winds of life blow against us, and for those of us who have a little experience in life, we know those winds come. And when they come, then you better have a foundation in Jesus. Because if you don't, you will be devastated and destroyed by what this life throws at us. That's what's so neat about Paul. Paul said, God has come bringing gifts, and he brings us his strength, and his strength has been able to overcome my past. That's true for you as well. See, the, the gift that has been given to us to overcome our past is, is the strength of God. But there's another gift that God gives to us, and he gave to us on that very first Christmas. He offers us his grace. Now I want you to look in verse number 14, the one verse that we'll read for this, uh, for this point. It says, And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now you look at Paul and you would say, Man, it's going to be impossible for Paul to be able to overcome his past because of what he'd done. 
Yeah, I mean, and now we know the Bible says that God's love. We all love that part. Now, for those of us who've been in the church for a while, we've also studied and looked at that God's not just a God of love. He's also a just God, right? God is just. So you say, well, if God's just, there's no way he's going to let Paul get away with murder. I mean, literally. If God is really just, there's no way that he can do that. And some of you, you allow that to, to seep over into your own thinking. You think, man, because of some of the stuff I've done, there's no way. No way I can ever be in the good graces of God. And I can think of some examples and some people I've talked to, and I know that there are some people, they look into their past, they say, yeah, I, I really believe that I am beyond God's reach, beyond His grace, because of the affairs, because of an abortion, because of some, maybe some shady business deal that you participated in. And you can name all these examples and think, you know what, because of these things in my life, I am beyond the grace of God. It disqualifies me from God. That's what's so neat about the scripture. Paul said, I'm a murderer, and yet God gives me grace. You know what grace is? Grace is receiving something you don't deserve. Now, what did Paul deserve? I'm just going to be real honest with you all. Y'all know what Paul deserved? Hell. You know what we deserve? Hell. We do not deserve to be in the presence of God. But what did God do? God said he poured out his grace upon Paul abundantly. So our text says that word abundantly is a great word. It is the picture of a cup that is constantly being filled with drink. It never runs out. So God's grace to you It's constantly being renewed day by day. It is being poured out to you abundantly so that your sinfulness can be removed. God can wash away your past to where he enables you to have a relationship with him. You know, the fact is we are all, everybody in this room, I don't care how good of a person you are, every one of us has got some kind of baggage. Every one of us has some kind of dirt in our life. And some of you do a good job of hiding it. Others of you, not so good. You know, but we all, man, we all have got dirt in our life. And yet God's grace can be extended to us in order to remove that dirt. Now, you could say, some people say, well, if God's gracious, I can live like I want to. I can do what I want. It doesn't matter because of God's grace. And but I, I practiced that before. It's almost like, you know, God forgive me for what I'm about to do. You know, it's like, I'm just going to do it anyway, and I'm going to trust God's going to forgive me. Now, I say, that, that's cheap grace. You know, it, it's not that God, God allows us to get away, or Paul, he didn't allow Paul to get away with murder. He offered his grace. You know, what, did you know that grace comes at a price? See, what, what God did is he allowed his son Jesus to enter into our world on what we celebrate Christmas for, to grow up and to be a sacrifice for us to pay our debt of sin that we couldn't pay to wash away our sin. Now, unfortunately, many of us try to, we think, well, we, I can earn God's grace. I can do some good stuff. God will be pleased with me, and then, and then he'll be gracious to me. It's not how it works. It wouldn't be grace if we, could, if we could earn it. There's a show that was on TV a number of years ago. Some of you might have heard of it, The Millionaire. And on the show, The Millionaire, there was a millionaire that would have, there would be contestants on the show, and he would just give them a million dollars. 
Now, it was a while ago, and so the TV wasn't as, you know, like degenerate in so many ways as it is today. You didn't have to do gross things to win money. Yeah, you know, some of those shit like Fear Factor, oh, I just cannot stand to watch that stuff. You know, eat this, you know, eat this person, and you'll win a million dollars. So, like, I don't do that kind of stuff. So in this show, you didn't have to do anything stupid. Uh, the millionaire, he would just give you the money. And when the people would get that money, man, it would transform their life. I mean, it would change them. That is a picture of grace. We don't earn it. We don't get it because of something that we do. It's God extends grace to us, and after we receive the grace of God, what happens is it changes our life. It's really neat that God desires for us to receive something we don't deserve. The Bible tells us this in Isaiah 118. It says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. You know, it's time for some of us in the dirtiness of our life to go to the laundromat, so to speak, and say, God, here I am, clean me up, because I can't do it on my own. Because when I try to do it on my own, there's some of those hard-to-reach places that I can't ever get clean. You know what I mean? Um, Whenever I go to the dentist, I go to the dentist up here in Lake Carolina, every time I go there, the lady who cleans my teeth, sweet lady, every time she asks me the same question, do you floss your teeth? And, the, and y'all, I'm not lying, this last time she asked me, and y'all are going to think I'm really gross, but she said, do you brush your bottom set of teeth? I was like, no, I just brush the top. I always skip the bottom. You know, I was like, what is that all about? I mean, no telling what I had in my mouth. I mean, I guess eating the Oreos before I went in was not a good idea. But, but she asked me these questions. Now, I still have my wisdom teeth. And she always looks at she's like, you know, you need to do a better job of really trying to get back there. And I'm thinking, my, I will knock my brains out, and you're just trying to get back to that last tooth. But it's hard to reach. And there's some dirtiness and sin in our life. Man, it's hard to reach. And it just overwhelms us and overcomes us. But God's grace has been given to us in order to rid those hard-to-clean spots in our lives. And what do we do? We talk to God. Say, God, I can't do it. I need your forgiveness and your grace. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, it says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whenever Jesus came on that very first Christmas, he came bearing gifts. He gives us his strength. He gives us his grace. And so the last thing I want you to see, on that very first Christmas, one thing that Jesus brought with him is his mercy. In verse number 15, it says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's us. And I am the worst of them. But I received mercy because of this. So that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus, might demonstrate the utmost patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Mercy and grace are two closely related ideas. And I said grace is it's you receiving something that you don't deserve. What's mercy? Mercy is not receiving something that you do deserve. Now for us to experience the grace and the mercy of God, we have to come to a point like Paul did. 
in verse number 15, Paul acknowledged his sinfulness. He got out of denial. He quit blaming other people. And he said, I am the worst of sinners. He acknowledged it. He said, it's who I am. And I need help. Now, guys, before we can get on the road to recovery, there has to be an admission on our part about who we are, who we really are. And I can hide who I really am. I can do a good job of faking everybody out. But when I get down to it, my heart is black. And I want everything for me. I'm selfish. And I am sinful. And if I'm going to recover, I have to acknowledge who I am. Now, I've seen some stubborn people. And there's some people, like, when they get sick and they won't admit they're sick. You know people like that? I'm fine. You know, they keep sneezing. They come to church here and it just freaks me out. They want to shake my hand. I've had to, you know, I don't know. I've been throwing up all week. And they try to, I'm like, dude, don't even come close to me. You know, they try to touch you. And they're in denial. Now, if they're going to get better, what has to happen? Well, they've got to quit living in denial. They have to admit they're sick and then talk to the doctor. And when they talk to the doctor, it's then that the doctor can treat them. Same idea is true with God. If we're going to get better, we have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge we're sick and we need his help. And what happens? Well, God says he'll give forgiveness. Now, that sounds way too good to be true. Say, so, boy, you just, if you just knew what I'd done, there's no way God could, could clear me up. You know, and I, I've talked to some people, and they've told me some things about their lifestyle, how they lived, and I've looked at them and thought, oh, good luck with that one. You know, I mean, it's on the inside. I don't say it out loud. I mean, just what I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking, boy, I don't know if God could ever do anything with that guy. But you know what? That's just me speaking as a human, as a person. God's mercy is not beyond any of us. God desires for us not to get what we deserve. Second Peter 3, 9 tells us this. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. The correlating idea of this is the idea of patience. Mercy, here's what mercy is. Mercy is a period that God allows you to live and maneuver and operate so that you can use that period in your life to experience His grace. Instead of God just automatically judging us for our sin right now, God gives us mercy. He's patient with us to give us time to respond to the grace that He offers us. That makes sense? It's mercy, it's patience. There's a teacher, a kindergarten teacher, and she was, it was raining outside, and her kids all had galoshes, and so she was helping them put their galoshes on. And so she's putting on all the galoshes of the kids. It's kind of tiresome, you know, slipping on those rubber boots and all the kids. She gets the last kid. She puts on the last set of boots, and a little girl looks down at her. She gets her boots on. She goes, these aren't my galoshes. And the teacher's like, oh. And so she just kind of rolls her eyes. She goes, okay, well, let me see your feet. So she reaches down, she grabs the galoshes, and she pulls them off, and the little girl says, they're my sister's. And the teacher looks at her and is like, ugh. So she puts the galoshes back on. Now, I think for a lot of us, we think I, if she said that to me, I'd take those galoshes and just jam them on her head. 
the teacher was patient. She was patient with that little girl. And she treated her with kindness and with grace. Well, that's, the, that's precisely, that's the kind of patience that God has with people. The question is, how are we going to respond to God's mercy? You know, during this time of mercy, you know, we're all living, so this is a time of mercy. How are you going to respond to what God offered you on that very first Christmas? Again, you can think, man, I think I'm too far gone. That's why I like our text today. Uh, Paul was a guy that you'd have to say he's pretty far gone. But in verse number 16, he said, it's for that reason I was shown mercy. What was the reason? Paul's basically saying, listen, if, if God can redeem and restore and give grace and mercy to a guy like me, he can do it for you too. How are you going to respond to the gift of Jesus, to his mercy and his grace? You see, to receive his grace, you have to act and trust him for his grace to be given to you. Now, now what, what kind of gifts does Jesus come bearing for us? brings us strength, he gives us grace, and he gives us mercy. Here's the deal. Are you ready to move beyond your past and know that there is a God who has a future for you? 